What's up, everyone? If you were wondering how I've done this podcast, it's based off the Anchor. All you have to do is unload the Anchor app. And even better, guys, it's free. You could also possibly be getting paid to do this. I mean, all you got to do is just download the app. Speak your mind. If you ever dreamed of making a podcast or just anything, let your voice be heard. You can also be known on Spotify, Apple, or anything download. Just go on the Anchor app. What's up, everyone? Thank y'all for joining me with Buzzle and Marlo. I am Warren Marlo. All right, guys, it is Friday. Means it's work day. But guess what? Weekend is right around the corner. So get up, take a shower, get dressed, put some coffee in your system, get you a good breakfast, and be ready to crush this day. And also, hit play and listen to my beautiful voice. All right, guys, I hope everyone's having a great day. It is Friday. If you're in Florida, the weather's supposed to be pretty nice this weekend. I'm hoping so badly because we got playoffs this weekend. I know I said it last weekend, but it got canceled. So hopefully we're going to have playoffs this weekend. Hopefully it's all going to go down. I'm looking so forward to how the end of this season is going to be. It's been a wild wild go-around. I will definitely say that. (laughs) Really will definitely say it's been a wild go-around. Basically, it was a lot of teams that were bitter for what happened in Panama. And it was just time to get ourselves back on there, get the reps in, get get playing, get understanding what formats we know now. Get more prepared, get more ready for the next travel one. Uh, next one we want to do, my team, Wild Boys. I'm looking into going to play in Vegas. So we're hoping that one being in the works. That one will probably be in August. So... Got a lot of time to get prepared for it. Looking forward to it. I haven't been back in Vegas since I've been married. Since I got married. So I'm looking forward to that. That would, Also, that's a nice way to, for the mistress to be like, yeah, you can go do that. You probably have to bring her on the way. So, you know, you know how that is. You got to butter them up so you can go somewhere. So you be happy. So obviously that's what the plan is for that uh, with my team and Wild Boys. But for a second, guys, before we go more into it, I would like to just say my thoughts and prayers are out to the family of Jerry Stevens. Jerry Stevens was a very well-known wrestling promoter in Georgia. I'm just all I'm just going to say in Georgia area like if you lived in the Georgia area of Florida or whatever, you knew of the wrestling promoter of Jerry Stevens. Jerry Stevens has been running for so long. He ran the wrestling company of GWE. Uh one cool thing about that for me was that was my very last time in a wrestling ring like legit match wise was in his in one of his shows it was at the Albany State Theater uh 
one night I'll never forget. Uh, just an awesome experience. Was an awesome time. Just a little time that I got to spend with Jerry Stevens. It was just really cool. A lot of knowledge he gave me, and just a little time that we knew each other. He's known me for a long time, but me to actually work for him was that one night, sadly. Um, so I wish I got to do more shows there. I wish I would have got to known him a little bit more. But I'm very appreciative of the time I had with him, and I know from just so many of my wrestling brothers and sisters out there that was very close to him, not only just as a wrestling promoter standpoint, but considered like a father to so many people. Uh, it's just truly sad in ways, but it's it's tough, but I just want to say my thoughts and prayers out to Jerry Stevens, his family, and all my brothers and sisters that are really impacted by this because he will be truly missed. All right, guys, so today's episode, I brought flag football back last week. I'm bringing back professional wrestling. I've been asked numerous times, so guess what? We're going to do some wrestling chat today. Today, guys, I'm bringing back, I'm bringing a guy that has been in the business for 17 years. Let me say that again, guys. 17 years in the wrestling business. Uh, he held outside of Ohio. He's... Born and raised in Ohio, man. Columbus, Ohio. I'm talking about the one and only Devlin Anderson. Devlin Anderson is a seven, uh, is an independent wrestler, uh, a main heel. I know he was always a bad guy, I think, for sure. Um, we're going to just talk about ba- what we're going to really discuss is basically like what, where did he start? What training school did he go to? Uh, what was the toughest things he had to experience getting into wrestling right off the rip? Because there's so many different ways that, and it's funny, some of the easiest moves are actually the most hardest when you first start. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about um, where he used to run, um, some of the matches he had. We're going to talk about some of the moment of clarity. And when I'm we're going to get really in explaining about the moment of clarity. What I mean by that is when you're in a match or you've been in the wrestling business for a while, your moment of clarity is when you finally, something clicks in your head. Like if you're in a match or whatever, say like if you're supposed to get hit with a candlestick stick or something like that, your moment of clarity is sitting there looking at it as like, why am I about to let this dude hit me? Why am I about to <laughs> take a kendo stick or something like that? Like, you get that moment of clarity. It's like, what the heck is going on? But we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk a little bit about wrestling in general. WWE, AEW, uh, New Japan, all that stuff. We're going to talk a little bit of in-depth just about wrestling. I'm not going to talk about the new era. We're not going to talk about the old, like just flat out the old era. But we're going to talk about just wrestling in general. What is missing? Uh, what are some of the climates that we're having? What I mean by climates is like, we always said wrestling's always had hot and cold periods. So hot, we're going to explain a little bit on that. And lastly, guys, we're going to talk about what's the future hold for him. He has been out of the ring, I think, for three years now. And I know he says he is not done. And we're going to lastly talk about when does he plan on coming back and 
How? When does he feel like that's going to be that time? So, guys, I ain't going to waste no more time. So when we come back, guys, we're going to be joined with Devlin Anderson. All right, I want to give a major shout-out to KC Graphics. Um, They literally are phenomenal. I just had them do my Wild Boys flags for upcoming for Panama. Uh, Phenomenal look. They did such a great job, detailed, everything. And not only do they do flags, guys, they do backpacks, uniforms, wedding invitations, pictures, you name it. If you want it, they will make it. Uh, They will not disappoint you. And if you need to get a hold of them check them out on facebook and instagram at kc graphics design uh, that is kc graphics design i'm telling y'all y'all will not be disappointed uh they do phenomenal check them out kc graphics and i'm joined with devlin anderson how you doing man i'm good man how are you i'm doing good uh I don't know where you're at right now, but obviously me in Florida right now, the weather is finally <laughs> back to what Florida needs to be. <laughs> I understand that. I'm in Ohio. and uh, oh, Okay, I won't say nothing else then. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, it, uh, it, it's starting to finally warm up here. Uh, oh, yeah? It's in March. So, we're, yeah, we, we had a lot of snow in February, so uh-huh. it's pretty packed in there. Now it's all starting to melt, so it's almost hey. all the way gone. But uh, it's just, it's typical Ohio weather, so wait five minutes and it'll change. Yeah. Uh, are you born and raised in Ohio? Yeah. Yeah, I was born okay. in southern Ohio. I was raised in uh, Ohio my whole life and I moved to Columbus when I was 18, so. So you kind of like the cold weather? No, I, I, I despise cold weather in my in, in my older years, so uh, I don't mind. I mean, it doesn't bother me, but I mean, now well, of I'm, course. Like, I'm like, oh. I'm like now that I've traveled a little bit, you know, I want to. And I went out to Arizona. I'm like, I'm probably going to end up out there when I'm an old man. So, <laughs> I love it. So, uh, Devin, tell tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Oh, um, not much to really tell. Um, um I'm 37. Uh, I, I was a professional wrestler for 17 years, from 2002 to about 2019, mm-hmm. and um. I, uh, you know, basically traveled, uh, all over the tri-state area, um, wrestled numerous amounts of people probably had a thousand or more matches in my career. Um, you know, I, and, and I mean, that's, there's not really much really to tell. I'm a huge baseball fan, uh, outside of pro wrestling. Uh, baseball was the first mm-hmm. thing that I loved. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I don't really have much else. I have a dog. I love my dog. I, you know, she's a border collie. But uh, I, I mean, I, I'm not a. I'm an interesting person, but I mean, it's like you gotta, you know, you gotta ask questions and and get more out of me. I was born and raised in Southern Ohio. Hey, I lived here that's my whole the best life. Thing about a podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, it's uh, <clears throat> it, you know, it's just uh, I, I, it's not really much to tell. I don't do anything spectacular. I mean. I have a regular nine to five job. Um, I, I go punch my eight hours, come home, you know, play video games, clean the house, you know, watch wrestling when I can. Like I said, there's not much, not much to me. I'm 37, so it's you know, you now wrestling career is, is has winded down. 
Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, with COVID and everything, you know, haven't been even able to even attempt to get back in the ring. So, yeah. uh, man, I've been in, uh, I, I was a professional wrestler for about six years. And, man, let me tell you, if, if the COVID era would have hit before I decided just to take a break or whatever, maybe I'd probably still be going because obviously your body's healing at that time and you're resting. Like that's what I tell people all the time. Like if you rest a little bit, your body appreciates it. Now repetition wise, I mean, obviously we always been built in and like, Hey, you got to work the shows. You got to get the book and you got to get town to town. You got to pay your dues. You got to do all this stuff to get in there. But it's never easy on your body. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I actually injured my shoulder doing yard work and I hadn't been in a ring in over a year at that point. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, I've, I've literally fallen off of cages and through tables and walked away. And I literally like oh pick, pick something up Isn't in it my, crazy? like the littlest, the littlest yeah. accidents is the worst. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and I had a friend of mine who was in the business too. He was moving up a pool table and he's, he was one of the most in shape guys I've ever seen in my life. Like he, he was just moving a pool table and ripped his bicep off the bone. I'm like, I'm like, I've literally seen this dude fall through a table and like not and walk away from it. And I'm like, that's I'm like, you pick up a pool table and rip your bicep. It's so freaking weird. Like literally, I remember one time uh, we did like a title on a pole match. Mm-hmm. And I used to be a big thing of, I used to hate fly. I hate, being in high areas go figure what i've done and stuff and now and i came up with doing the crossbody from the top but you uh i was stepping wrong out in my yard and i literally almost broke my ankle <laughs> compared to what you do as a lifestyle it's crazy to believe like these little freak accidents <laughs> make it where you obviously just want to say hey i did it in the because you don't want to say, hey, I just walked on a rock and my whole leg just shifted a whole different location. <laughs> yeah, um, every wrestler has that moment of clarity in their wrestling career. And mine came in my first cage match. Mm-hmm. And I'm at the top and I got to take the I got to take a superplex off the top of the cage. And I get yeah. all the way up there. Not, I mean, I, adrenaline's going. I'm, I'm not afraid of falling off oh, yeah, the yeah. cage. But I got all the way up there and the guy's you know, punching me to set me up for it. And I'm, I had, I'm like, this is stupid. Why am I doing this? This is the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. Like, why am I up here? This is so stupid. And, uh, hey. that was like the moment of clarity in my, in wrestling. Cause up to that point, like, I just didn't care. Like I would do anything. Like it didn't matter. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously we see it now. Yeah. Obviously you be a little bit more aware on the bumps that you have and like i I used to be i used to think it was a joke when they say hey man everybody's got a bump card Mm -hmm. and you just got to pick the smart bumps out of it and i used to just be like you know what i'll do all of it and i guess i'll suffer from it later i didn't expect after six years it'd be that bump card already running up real quick (laughs) i i I had i had this fun little joke that about after 10 years in the business i I would get these uh, two or three year, you know, young cats that come up and they'd be like, oh, I'm going to do this, this, this and this and this. And I'm like, hold on, stop. It's like, I'm on a three bump minimum. And you, <laughs> it's like, and you've just given me 
Seven moves. All right, pick two, and those are the ones you get to hit in this match. And they would look at me mm-hmm. like I'm stupid. I'm like, no, I'm being dead serious. Like you're, you. That's veteran advice. You want you literally you you want me to bump all this for you? Like, no, you're getting pick two of your big moves, and that's what you're getting. Were they green? No, just no. You get. I guess I was trained different, so uh-huh. you get these these young cats that come up and they've done nothing but watch like Ring of Honor and TNA matches at the time. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And all they want to do is like. You know, jumping, flipping cutters and doing all this nonsense that makes absolutely no sense inside of a ring. And I'm like, you guys need to slow down and like make your moves matter and shit like that. And like they just like some of them got it Mm -hmm. like they would, you know, they would they would understand what I meant. But I'm like, I'm not going out there and just bumping the bump like you're not going to bump me like that. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we could thank Ricochet and Will Osprey for that one. <laughs> well, I mean, that was a little that was a little later on. I mean, I I like to thank like AJ and Chris Daniels. Uh, I, I I like that comparison. Yeah, I, I, the only reason I say Ricochet and Will Osprey, which they're great workers, great guys. Uh, I say Ricochet's wrestling level went. He he basically got better after he went into the WWE and stuff like that. Like his flips and stuff, it has a meaning to it now. It's not like he's just doing it at the opening spot. Like I just felt like it was a straight gymnast match. It was not even like a match to me. It was like, well, that's what, that's right, what happens when you, when, you, when you end up in the developmental center. You end up end up having to learn how to work TV style matches, mm-hmm. and yeah, they haven't been able to. Um, have lot have house shows in a while, so you know mm-hmm. the, the, on house shows you can do basically what you want, but TV shows yeah. you gotta you got that time frame and you, you can only do, do so much. Yeah, you gotta do you gotta do A, B, C, and D, and if you don't do it, like <laughs> you only get ten to fifteen minutes, so yeah. you you gotta get that three hour show somewhere going rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. All right, I want to go back a little bit, Devlin. Uh, Talk about where you trained. Where did you uh, start training at? So I trained here in Columbus, Ohio. At it's called, it was called at the time it was called the IWA School of Professional Wrestling, and the IWA mm-hmm. at one point in time was one of the oldest running independent promotions in the state. It had been running since 1988, and mm-hmm. the the guy who ran the school because I'm not going to say that he trained me, but the guy that ran the school his name was um, Tom Miller. And uh, okay. he had been trained by Fred Curry, Flying Fred Curry, mm-hmm. who is the son of legendary uh, Bull Curry. And uh, basically, it's like one of those horror stories from any you know wrestling trainer who takes your money and doesn't do shit. Um, yeah, he um, <laughs> you know he he got me to sign this contract to train and um. He did my tryout, and I think he was in the ring with me one time prior to that. And then, luckily for me, I had a bunch of guys that were already in. Just a few from right? Yeah, I had a, well, I had a bunch of guys that really, like, took me under their wing. Because when I started, there was four people in my class. And I'm the only one that survived. Um, because these wow. guys would, they, they, you know, we had an older guy who was probably in his mid thirties, he started trying to train and he got injured and like, just decided to give it up. And then there was a girl that was training with us and she just 
couldn't grasp like certain concepts of the business. Like she just wanted to do offensive moves and she didn't want to learn how to bump. And then, um, yeah. you know, like I said, Tom just decided that he, you know, he was going to sit in his office basically the whole time we were training. So I had a bunch of, uh, had a bunch of good guys that were working for the company that were actually trained and, you know, took their time to get in the ring with me and teach me how to bump and, and, uh, teach me how to, you know, a little bit more ring psychology and, and, uh, just you know, really, I really owe it to them guys. I wasn't really trained by, you know, you know, one person I was trained by a multitude of people and I learned different things from different individuals. So, but I really always tell, uh, all the young cats that ask me, I always tell them like the road really trained me, like being on the road and, yeah. and learning, yeah. learning from there, like learning from my mistakes and getting in there and messing mm-hmm. up and having the it, young. It's kind of like a, it's like a trial and error type thing. Like one thing I learned like obviously we live in two different states, but Florida crowd is a harder crowd to please than like as a old school wrestling type match compared if you go to Georgia where fans would pop for a headlock. Right. If you did a proper headlock, the fans would pop for it. Like if I, I remember when some of the Georgia crowds, I could do a leapfrog. They thought I damn near did a somersault off the daggum top. <laughs> I, I did. Uh, I I I'd done two matches in my career where all I did was hold the guy in a headlock, and the whole time he tried to escape it, and then uh, he finally mm-hmm. got out of it, and I beat him with a sleeper. If it's properly done, it could work, regardless of what the crowd is like. I like I said, it's a trial and error thing. So say like one type of style of a match would work in one area compared to if you went and done into a, like, say like in Florida area where you run the old school match and they'll just be like, eh, we kind of need more. We see so much of different styles. You got to, you got to just shake us a little bit on this. So it's like, all right, I could see somebody on a leapfrog, but all right, let's see what else you got out of that. See what, like, I remember I, I was known for my arm drags because I've had a very big meaning towards it. Obviously there's some people you just pick up and you just fall back down and you just, you can just do it just do it. I put in a finesse where I made it tell a story with it. So say like if the guy was a little bit bigger than me, I would, uh, I would attempt it. He block it off, attempt it again, block it off. And then I'd come off the ropes and I would literally tell a story to where I'm going to make that open, like the ending of that opening spot of those, that match would be me getting that arm drive off because I would make a meaning towards it. Like you have to pick the body and just keep telling a story mm-hmm. repetitively. On it. And um, I, it took me, it took me a while. I, I want to go back a little bit, Devlin. Tell me what was the hardest thing to understand? Obviously when you first started in the training school, my biggest problem was <laughs> I like to say about the arm drag. I could never take an arm drag at first. Like I just never could get, fly over the guy like i would always go sideways and let's put it this way if you didn't start doing it the right way you're gonna get way more in pain doing it the other (laughs) yeah um i i struggle i struggle with face bumps i struggle with face bumps um yeah i struggle with face bumps i couldn't get my uh you know and i tell anybody who's who's listening who has never actually been in a ring and started training when you train your body tells you in your normal reaction is to, you know, put your hand down 
put your knees down. Yep. So wrestlers have to be rewired. If you want to be in the business, you have to rewire mm-hmm. your brain and your body to react in a completely different way. So uh, mm-hmm. I could not, for the life of me, get a face bump down to a T. Like, I just couldn't do it. Like, I'd end up on my knee or I'd end up on, you know, put my arm down or something. And uh, I just. Kind of did it wrong or huh? Would you kind of like land it wrong or something, or no, would you just, wait a little bit flat. too late? I just could not get flat to save my life. So it's a funny story. Okay. So this this is gonna lead into something funny. So, um, a guy by the name of Damien Cass, who is now my who who's now one of my best friends, and he's you know uh, he was my tag partner for a lot of years. Um, I ju- I just couldn't get it down, and so I I didn't work on it as much as I should have, and I was doing a lot more things that I shouldn't have been doing. Um, mm-hmm. and, and in the business, more learning more offensive stuff, and I couldn't face bump, and so he got word of it, and basically told me like I needed to you know not do any of this you know offensive stuff so I can learn face bumps, and uh, being eighteen and and not really into the <laughs> new new into the the adult world of things, I really wasn't thinking about anybody but myself, and yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. I just kept doing what I was doing and not trying to learn face bumps. And he eventually found out again. And then uh, I got uh, I got a lesson in uh, respect in the for the business uh, the hard way. Um, got stretched, got chopped about eighteen times, and uh, got my eye got my eye dotted. And uh, you know, after that, I basically just gotten when I went to practice, and I would just do face bumps and do face bumps and do face bumps until finally. My face bumps were so good, like people were like, "Holy shit!" Like he's that's a really good face bump. So <laughs> you kind of like told a story <laughs> with the whole face. Yeah, bump no, I mean, I love that's the, that's the God's honest truth. Like psychology for me came naturally. Like being a fan of of wrestling for so long prior to that, I'd been a fan since I was three years old. So understand, like I had this inept thing as a child i could tell a good wrestler and a good match from a bad match and a bad wrestler so i could under i understood the psychology of wrestling a a lot easier and that that usually takes people a lot harder to learn than anything else because they really just want to go through the motions of a match and not not understand the story that you're trying to tell inside of a ring so uh yeah, I actually that that came to me a lot more natural than most people did. So, but face bumps were the hardest thing to learn, honestly. I mean, other than that, like I said, on the road, I learned more psychology and more from other people. And there were times where, like, I would do something and I thought that my psychology was good in that, and then you know they would pull me aside yeah, and say, "Hey, this is you should have done this. You should have zigged when you should have zagged," kind of thing. Yeah. I agree. I, I love I love how you basically said that because that is so heavily about wrestling. Like wrestling is more about than just doing moves. Uh, yeah. And I feel like that's where the pro wrestling area is getting very dried out in ways, too, because we're just watching wrestling matches for matches. We're not watching it based off of characters. And. I think like if they can just get back to the characteristic talking about wrestling, I feel like wrestling would be back just the way it was in the nineties and stuff. If they just go back to gimmick wrestling, it would be so it'd be more 
suspenseful than oh it's easy there's a there's a lot of problems that that wrestling has now that they could learn from stuff back in the day but the biggest problem we see what's that i'm sorry we see everything there's really no such thing as a move that's never been done well that's not even that my my thing is is that where people from wrestlers from a different era they had Mm -hmm. to you know, with Vince having basically control over, you know, he's the, the monopoly of, of wrestling at the moment, at least in the United yeah. States. The problem that, that most wrestlers, young wrestlers don't understand is that back in the day, wrestlers had to to draw crowds in to a town. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't yep. guaranteed, you know, it wasn't guaranteed money. Like, you got paid percentages mm-hmm based on the house. So you had to talk your talk people into seats or wrestle people into the seats. So like yep. if you watch any old school wrestling and you see those great promos from Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair, that's because they were trying to put asses in the seats and ass every 18 inches, so to speak. So that's one of the biggest problems with wrestling nowadays is that Flair's promos made you absolutely hate him, and you wanted to pay to you see to him see, get his. Yeah, it, it, Roddy Piper said it best one time, and I'll never forget when I was reading this. When he said, "He said, did people really come to WrestleMania one to see Hulk Hogan, or did they really come to WrestleMania one to see Hulk Hogan beat up Roddy Piper?" Oh yeah, I I love I love that analogy because. <sighs> It's so far-fetched to what wrestling is now. Um, well, all those guys I have guaranteed like con- contracts. So. Yeah, I, I, and that's a big thing, too. And I think another thing is, with WWE's standpoint, is they have everybody that's good on that lineup. Everyone in that roster is good. But you can only put so much talent that's on a right. card. That's right. And that's the biggest problem, because like I would say, Zack Ryder, I really thought he could have been a really big mid-card guy, which I never really expected him to be a main a main eventer. But I, you just saw a little strong. You saw his strengths and then you saw his weaknesses. Zack Ryder's weaknesses is promos. He was absolutely terrible in promos. Right. And when they gave him that push, obviously you saw, yeah, he did good in it, but his promos were going to be a major effect. Well, uh, the, the, I think the – I think, I think the thing with Zach though is that they never repackaged him. They never attempted to. No, they never they did. I mean, him. in a way, he built right. himself. He built himself on the YouTube thing, and Vince was upset about the YouTube right. thing at first. Like, if you really think about it, Vince only cares about what he's doing for your character. He's not caring about what you're doing for your character. He wants you to do what he's doing, and you make something out of it. He doesn't care about all that other stuff. Like like I tell people all the time, like just because you're an independent wrestler does not mean you're going to get guaranteed and have a bigger chance of going WWE other than an NFL star because the NFL star is over. The NFL star is known. And Vince does not care about what's booked from an indie show, an indie show compared to, oh, he just went to a Super Bowl. Oh, he was on a practice squad. We'll sign him. He looks, he's got the look. He's got what we're looking Baron for. Baron Corbett. Because uh, Baron Corbett, oh. Yeah, I will say this, dude. Baron Corbin has came a long way, and Baron Corbin is a true ass heel. No, I mean, I I don't take nothing away. I think he's he's a improved 
bounds and leaps and bounds, but I've always felt like just listening to Bear. He came and, a long way from I'm NXT. Sorry? He came a long way from yeah, the yeah, NXT. Yeah. I, I just I've always felt like just hearing Barrett talk sometimes, like in those work yeah. shoot interview or work shoot interviews, that his heart really isn't in pro wrestling. I don't. I don't think that he no he, no no, he no. Get, he's getting a paycheck, and I think that that's really what he cares about. And I, cares and about. and my thing is is like he under you know I'm glad that he finally understood that he was getting such a huge push, and that he needed to to redevelop himself as a character. Um, but I mm-hmm. just I can't get behind the guy because I just don't feel like I feel like NFL was always his dream, and then like and you know WWE called him was mm-hmm. like hey. You're not working NFL no more. You're a pretty big guy. Let's make you a wrestler. There's a lot. Yeah, of them. I mean, but you know, there's, <laughs> you know, there's, there's, you know, there's guys who can transfer from the NFL to the WWE very well, and then there's guys who just like, like Baron Corbin when he first came in. I'm like, this guy is the shits. Like this guy just does the shits, mm-hmm. and like, I, like, like you said, he's. He's gotten better, you know, and he's and he's working hard, and I will not take anything away from him. And it's not people are like, "Oh, you're just jealous because you didn't make it." No, like I, I'm, I want to see good wrestling product. I want wrestling to survive, so I want, re- I want mm-hmm. good wrestling product put out there. And to me, Baron Corbett is some. I, I want you to, I want you to explain a little bit on that. When you say you want good wrestling to survive, do you feel like wrestling is really being challenged nowadays? <sighs> It's not being challenged necessarily is that wrestling goes through hot and cold periods, just like it always has. Yep. I just want like even the nineties. I hate cutting you on that, but even the nineties, yeah. Nineties had some cold drops yeah, the, as well. The nineteen ninety two to ninety six period, it was super cold. It, it it just because Vince didn't have the roster and he was still trying to do cartoon characters and he didn't have Hulk Hogan, Hulk, mm-hmm. Hulk Hogan holding the the flag and 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 leading that charge. He had these young cats that and people were still kind of hooked on that. You know, even though Sean and Brett were having great matches, and and Sean was kind of carrying the, the banner there, and so was Brett. He didn't have the the star power that Hulk Hogan brings, and that's that's kind of been Vince's mo ever since. Like he's always had like that one star that kind of carries the flag of WWE and kind of builds around them and leads the charge. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are guys that just, you know, can't do that. My, my, one of my biggest problems with WWE is that, like you said, the roster is just so huge. It's just so big. Mm-hmm. Like, NXT's got a huge roster, okay? So when you bring people up to NXT then then there's people on Raw who are not getting put on TV because you have to put these NXT people on Raw and then they're just going to get pushed to the back so it's like survival of the fittest up there so if you're like not on top or near the top you're not going to be doing anything but like dark matches and and, and yeah. like I said it, it, and it, all the house shows but obviously house shows ain't right. going on right now so you're not going to Europe and all that right. every week yeah it, it, you know they, I just I love wrestling so much and I just want to see it survive and I want to see I want to see a new generation of of fans love and appreciate the business like I do and there was a period of time when I just stopped watching wrestling and that was in the 90s this is around that 92 94 90 
five era, I just couldn't get into the product. It, it really turned me off of the product. So, you know, it um, wrestling goes through the hot and cold periods. It's just we just have not have not had that star that can really bring people into watching it. I, I totally agree with you. Um, I want to talk about the NXT thing. How do you feel about NXT now being their own brand? I think it's great. I think that with if Vince's hands are off of it, and and Hunter can can run it. What do you mean? I want you to explain to the audience about that because there's so many different visuals that everybody has been saying for so long about Vince having his hands on something. What do you mean by so? That? Vince runs basically the WWE, the Raw, the SmackDown. You know, he 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 does that stuff. He's really tried to keep his hand out of NXT and just let Hunter run it because eventually Hunter's probably going to end up running the company when Vince either retires or passes away. So Hunter running NXT, you can see the difference in booking. You can see the difference in how things are presented. You know, we have more. There's more metal music on NXT versus pop music where they use that on Raw and SmackDown. Yeah. And the presentation is different. The, the wrestling is different. How things are booked are different. It's all completely different. Yeah, I, I, I really wanted you to explain that because so many people have different visuals on it. I mean, obviously, we got the marks. Um, I will say... Everyone that has never been in the ring, yes, I'm not always saying you don't know wrestling, but you need to read it off as a fan. Don't read it off as like you know what the heck you're talking about. Because, yes, there's some people that could be like, oh, that's a major spot. Have you ever been in the ring to even call a spot? Like, really, are, are, do you have the knowledge to be sitting here saying that? Because, oh, that was weak. Uh, could you have done any better? Like, you have to really sit back and really consider, like, how much trial and error you have to do in this business. Like I tell people all the time, wrestling fans are the most ruthless people on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're all fans at the end of the day that, you know, I'm still oh, yeah. a Mark, like stuff still makes me Mark. So. Oh yeah. I, I, I'm a Mark too. I mean, this is one thing I realized when I finally hung the boots up a little bit was, it's a different thing from watching it from when you were wrestling because obviously you do it. You see what you do and you're like, oh, okay. You can compare it. You're like, what? what's he doing that I'm not doing? And that's one thing I always question myself when I watch these matches. And um, when I watch them, I'm like, hey, I can do that. But obviously there's a reason why I'm in the indies and he's in the WWE because WWE has one certain style. And if you don't get their style, you're not going anywhere with it. That's the biggest thing I'll say on that. And I mean, but when I got to go back and be a fan of it, you do appreciate it more because you're really sitting back and realizing like, man, what you did to your body and what what they're doing. And it's like, OK, now I'm more intrigued on it. And I, and I say that a little bit more. I'm more of a fan now than I was when I was wrestling because now I get to sit back and just watch it, analyze it and stuff like that. I'm not looking at it as, okay, let's see if this match can really catch my eye or something like that. Now I've got both visuals. I got the ring psychology visual and also got the fan perspective in a way as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I still critique it. I think I critique it less now as far as, like, moves and stuff like that. I always just, when I was wrestling, I always wanted things just to make sense. I didn't I didn't really care about, you know, how, how many flips you did onto the floor or whatever. As long as the whole match or the storyline we were in, if it made sense from start to finish, I just, that's all I really cared about because I, you know, I always look at it from a fan's perspective is that I wanted the fan and the audience to understand what we were doing or what, what we were trying to get to at least versus, mm-hmm. you know, them being confused, uh, you know, all these moves or all this stuff and none of it makes sense at the end. You know, we were, you mm-hmm. know, we were watching the last NXT pay-per-view and, and Finn Balor and, um, Pete Dunn had 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 a really phenomenal match, but to me it was all it all was ruined by the finish, and I was like, yep. "Where does Pete Dunn go from here now? Like, you just beat him clean in the middle of the ring, like nothing. The the, the you know the heaters didn't come out and and cause the cause the 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 ending or a disqualification or." anything like that like it was just a straight you know fin- finish and i'm like okay well there's no upside to this like where does he go from now where from here now like he just didn't it was it was a great match mm-hmm. for me then and then to be ruined by a bad finish and you know i'm as a wrestler i'm just sitting there going this this is not good like this is the match was great i would call it i would call it different way. I, the biggest thing i say on a type of matches like that I feel like the heel has always got to have that dirty finish. Even if it doesn't succeed, have a dirty finish to make it tell a story like, oh, Finn finally got it. Finn did it. Finn overcame the odds like this. Because for a while, I thought Finn was the heel. I didn't know Finn was actually back at right. being a baby face. Because the way he's approached himself now, it's he's a heel to me. So I was sitting there thinking like, how come Finn ain't grabbing no tights? How come Finn is not doing some heelish things? But then, obviously, he went back as a babyface without even right, changing. I mean, you know, like I said, there's just there's so many ways that you could have gotten to where you wanted to go without making Pete Dunn look look not good. Like there was all that build up yeah. to Pete and Finn for us to have a clean finish. Like you could get three or four matches out of this. But you want to you want to go mm-hmm. a completely different route. I get that they were trying to go for shock factor at the end. I thought it was going to go all the way up to Mania. I really thought it was going to go to a Mania. I just, like I said, I, I don't I don't know why they went that route. But I mean, I'm not I'm not there. I'm not booking. I mean, maybe it all makes sense down the road. But mm-hmm. for what you you have to be in the moment versus you know thinking four or five you know months out, you have to go match by match, moment by moment to, you know, to make the audience grasp onto what, you know, you're wanting to get to eventually. Mm -hmm. I agree with you on that. Um, I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, How do you feel? I think you said it pretty well. How do you feel? What's the outlook of a heel in a match? I mean, everybody's got their different... (laughs) Everybody's got their different perspective on heels. I personally, this is a personal preference. 
This one really does need to be explained because so many fans have it. Well, I mean, there, there, <laughs> there are different types of heels that are good, but my personal preference, and this is just me, is I love a great chicken shit heel. I love a great chicken shit heel. Mm-hmm. Like the stuff Sami Zayn's doing right now is is fucking oh, phenomenal bad. chicken shit heel stuff. I I love a chicken shit heel. Just love a chicken shit heel. I I don't know. I I, I play when I as I was a heel for ninety percent of my career. I played the chicken shit heel as because it was so easy to to act like a badass and then get in the ring and be mm-hmm. a guy who looks so scared and and back off and be a chicken shit heel. It's so much fun, but it's also so pleasing to the eye because you can. You you want to be like, I'll oh, just get in there and fight him, you chicken shit. Like it's a chicken shit heel move. Yeah. And and the crowd sees it as they they pay money to see right. them whoop your ass. Like that is really what right. they pay to see. Like they you want to know the best chicken shit heel? Ric Flair. Literally, right there. Like if anybody really wants to think about, it, yeah, he had great promos, but really, Ric Flair was the best chicken shit heel I've seen yep. in a long ass time. Uh and the way Sammy, I remember when Sammy first turned heel, and I was like, I do not know how this is going to go. And I was just sitting there, I'm like, he was such an over baby face, but obviously the overness in the main roster standpoint, you've got to be got different. Nothing. You've got to be different. And, and Sammy is doing yeah. something different than anybody else. Absolutely. And that's why he's on TV. It's perfect. Exactly. That's why I tell people all the time. They're like, man, I hate Sammy. I That's, say he's doing his job. If you hate him, like, he's, do, he's, he's Sammy doing his is job. really a definition of a heel him, right now. Sammy is a definition of a heel. Um, how do you feel about Roman Reigns? I think it's heel? Roman's best work. I think it's Roman's best work. But they they were smart to put him with a guy like Paul because Paul. I didn't that? expect that. Word. I really don't believe he wouldn't even need Paul Heyman. I think that he needs Paul Heyman, and here's why. I think Paul is one of those guys who, if he's standing beside you in Gorilla or he's with you a lot, he's going to be able to develop you as a heel because there's a reason why Vince, as much shit as Paul has done in in that company, to probably get himself fired. Mm-hmm. Vince understands how intelligent Paul is as far as character development and understanding yeah. the psychology aspect of the business. Brock Lesnar needed Paul Heyman mm-hmm. because he couldn't do very good promos. And as a heel, Brock was never a heel when he was first in, when he when he was when he was first in the company. He was a heel, but then he went on his own, and Brock thrived basically because Brock's a fucking animal. Back in the day, and it didn't need, he didn't need anybody that time at the babyface because he's just going out there and just throwing dudes. But when he came back, he brought him back with Paul because he wanted him to be that heel. So Paul being beside Roman mm-hmm. is probably giving Roman the best advice possible for promos. Here's how you do this. Here's how you say this. Here's how your facial expression should be. Here's how you should be doing this in this match. That's something that's I think that Paul was put with Roman to make sure that it, it worked and that he developed that character correctly. Mm-hmm. I would say I say Roman's heel run right now is what if John Cena was a heel. Here's the difference between Roman and John. Roman 
people wanted wanted Roman to be a heel. They they just shit on him like they would they would Cena. Cena, however, was a merchandise moving machine, and Vince is not. Vince never turned Hogan heel for a reason, and and there's a reason why he didn't turn John his heel for a reason because John was quote Hogan unquote in his time and era, but that's the whole reason why Vince will never pull mm-hmm. would never pull the trigger on that. I mean, I agree with you on that. Um, I want to know this because obviously I was a big John Cena fan, a big with me being the big Dwayne the Rock Johnson fan. Did you like the book in that they did with them too? I just I mean I just read something about where John didn't want to do was very upset about doing the job to Rock, but I understand where it was, you know, there was going to be there was definitely going to be two matches, but you got to do the favor first. We didn't know that there was going to be two matches. And that's the one thing I love about how we saw it in that match because obviously those two did not like each other at WrestleMania 20. They respected each other after that match. And everybody was expecting a one-and-done match. Obviously, the once-in-a-lifetime, never before, never again. And where we got the second Mania match, everybody shits on that match just because The Rock loses. Well, no. He did the John was gracious enough to do the favor, and when you know, and it was yeah, a great because they story. never, you know, why? A great they never, story. they never wrestled before. They never, they never were in the ring together again. You never saw a match prior to that, and then you had to wait a year to get another match. That's the whole reason why it worked is because it wasn't a one month storyline go into another storyline. It was a year storyline that you wanted to see. You wanted to finally see these two clash again. It was it was a great story. Um, Obviously, with me being a Rock fan, I think it also got the fans turning on Cena at the same time. And my thing on that is, like how you said, John didn't want to do the favors for Rock, but for the second match, do you believe that Rock should have done the favors for Cena or should have waited and have – who was it that had the money in the brain briefcase? Because I actually heard that was actually supposed to be the booking, but Rock did get hurt in Mania. And God bless his soul, man, for him to have that torn wherever he had in there, for him to do uh, even an extra 30 minutes in that match. Yeah, no, I, 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 think that he, I think that he should have done the job for Cena in that match because Cena had – do you believe that that was actually think, the full on finish that, at first? Do you feel like it was going to be John doing the, graciously, John being at the echelon of his game at the time and being on top, doing the job to rock an outsider who has not wrestled a full time schedule in years? I think that that was the full on plan going into that next mania is that, you know, Rock was going to do the job for him. You know, they, they honestly, they were just trying to mm-hmm. recreate Hogan Rock. And, and yeah, it, to me, the difference between Hogan and rock is that it was, it was naturally, um, built versus kind of force fed to you. But the second one had that, Mm -hmm. that same type of feel you, you can't recreate lightning in a bottle. The Hogan rock thing at WrestleMania 17 was just naturally kind of happened and revitalized Hogan's career for a short period of time because they wanted to see 
the yellow and red Hogan again. And that was kind of like the jumping point for it. I love the story. I tell you that story, just like how you said with Rock and Cena, man, yeah. they didn't even touch. And, man, for them to get a Toronto crowd out of mm-hmm. all crowds in wrestling, a Toronto crowd to boo The Rock out of the building mm-hmm. when he is your baby face and The Rock turns heel just in the match yeah. because he saw what the fans wanted, that is the most utmost respect. And that's one reason why I would draw The Rock as in that Mount Rushmore standpoint, obviously we say Stone Cold was the one to put asses in seats. But in a match standpoint, would Stone Cold have went heel if the fans were booing him? No, he would have stayed as a babyface in that match because that's just how Stone Cold was. And in reality, Stone Cold was never really a, a kiss your baby babyface. He was the one, I come up there and I'm going to whoop right. your ass regardless. No, no, I mean, it's, um, <laughs> it's called working for those of, those of you who are listening that are not in the business. It's called working the crowd. So you you go off <laughs> what the crowd does. If he, if he would have just stayed straight laced to probably what the plan was and just was being the, the baby face rock, he would have – it wouldn't have been as good it because the crowd would have not – gotten into it they'd have been like oh he's just going through the motions but he decided to hell with it i'm flipping on the heel switch and i'm gonna make them feel sympathetic for the the rock or the the for hogan and then at the end you know you know the shaking hands and hugging he got his shine right back because he he you know they respected for what he did yeah it was like a passing the torch type thing, and 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 obviously you saw the crowd pop for him when he came back to oh, save yeah. him from the NWO jump, and it was just like that is the yep. art of storytelling, and that's one example I'll use in matches. Like if anybody wants to watch a match, a really storytelling right. match, Rock and Hogan, it may have not been the most work you see, but just the yeah. psychology, the reading, the ring awareness, everything, that is a perfect. That would be well, a Hogan perfect got, message Hogan to tell somebody. Match too, so Obviously, we I mean, got it's to... a testament to Hogan as well. He got hurt as well. Yeah, Hogan got hurt. So I mean, for him to keep going and going up against so the guy like... that was you know twenty years younger than him, you know that's a that's a testament to Hogan too. White. And white hot baby face Rock was hot yep. as can be in that yep. run. Vince was all about the Rock in that run because obviously with Stone Cold up and left, it was it was Rock's time, and Rock said it. Hey. You put this on Stone well, Cold so was, much. Well, Steve it was on that card. Time. He just wasn't in the main and event. He was wrestling Hall. He just wasn't yeah, in the main yeah. event that day. I think that was right after that he just up and left, though. Yeah, I think was, that's where was, that ran uh, came in. Or it was coming up. So that, that was must May 18. So, obviously, after 17. So, he left, he left right before King of the Ring in 2002. Yep. That's right, because yes. he was supposed to do the favors with Brock. How do you feel about that? I want to. I want to go on a little bit Huge. of that. How big of a Stone, Stone Cold? Cold I can tell you the date. The date I actually got back into re- watching wrestling It was May twenty sixth, nineteen ninety seven, and it was raw. It was Stone Cold, mm-hmm. Steve Austin, and Shawn Michaels versus the British Bulldog and Owen Hart for the tag titles on Raw, and I had never seen a crowd that hot in a match that good and i remember watching and being like that's steve austin mm-hmm. but that's where's his hair and why is he just wearing black trunks and and where and and why the hell is <laughs> Shawn Michaels tagging him? Like, what the hell is going on here 
and I'm I was I was glued to my TV, and that's the moment when I got back into wrestling and really got back into wrestling. Like, ate it up like magazines, pay per views, toys, all that stuff. And I was fourteen mm-hmm. at the time, and uh, it. Uh, oh, so th- we're talking about Stone Cold Brock and Stone Cold having to do the job. Um. So I mean. So, do you agree with him on that? Do you agree that he should well, not have done the favorite qualifying match? It wasn't. So there's there's two parts. So I can understand Steve's point of view. Steve being the hottest, you know, guy in the company, you know, had you know built built it back up from the ground up. And we're talking Steve had had at that point in time he had had a seven or no six year run in the company, and you know. Yeah. Just it's a king of the ring qualifier. So if the if the purpose of to get to get someone somewhere is for Brock to be the king of the ring, then you know you got to establish kind of a, a dominant run to the king of the ring. And I don't see anything wrong with with him beating Austin. Be I think it could have been done in a way like that makes both guys look okay. And you can come back to it later on. Like when you put the belt on, on Brock, you could have Steve versus Brock later on down the road. Yeah. You could get Steve, could get himself disqualified. I, I mean, just Steve, see him as the first round. I just couldn't see him as a no, first you're round. Fine. I'm sorry to cut you on that, but I just could not, I could not see him cutting the first round because if you think about it, mm-hmm. King of ring, if you want to build that up, why didn't you make that to like the semifinals? Make it well, like I mean, a big there, challenge there for Brock. Like that could actually put major done it without making Steve look like crap. You could have gotten Steve counted out. You could have gotten Steve disqualified. Because regardless of who wins, you, you, you could yeah, have, you could have had, had Paul, Paul involved, involved in it. In it. That, that's perfect. You could have had someone. You could have had someone beat up Steve in the back, and then he he can't continue. So he you know Brock advances automatically. So it kind of gives a, a less of a shine to Brock. You know, oh, he didn't have to wrestle all the matches, and then mm-hmm. Steve could come back and say, "Well, you didn't, you know, you didn't beat me, and you're supposed to wrestle me, and we, you know, we can have this match." It could have done been done better in different many ways, but just to have Steve go out there and get pinned, like that was basically what Steve said. Like, I came in, and they were like, "You're going to do the job to Brock clean," and he's like, "What the hell?" So I understand Steve's perspective on it because he. He is a novelty mm-hmm. act at that point in time in in wrestling. He is a staple of the WWE, and to have this young kid come in here who's two years into the business, and he's got to put him over, which is fine. You want to make new stars, but at the same time, you still want to maintain the way to make money is to kind of draw things out. So I he, he said that he's like, there's no buildup, and, I, and, that, and I understand that, but at the same time, Steve, it's a... It's a King of the Ring qualifier. They just kind of throw those together. So you you just to get yeah. matches out there. So just to get matches you having in. to do the job, yes, it's a big deal, but at the same time, you can always come back later on. And it could have been done a different way. I think Steve had just he was beat up, honestly. Uh, honestly, I think that he was just beat up and tired and just was looking for a reason to go home. And that's and he found a reason to go home. Yeah. I agree, and obviously, and the craziest thing is, The Rock was supposed to be in that King of Ring as well. And they took yeah, because I think he got, he had some kind of injury or something. I can't remember. He had the flu, or I know he just got done finishing like the um, the Scorpion King or 
whatever it was he was he was filming. I was walking tall. I was walking and, tall. Um, yeah, because yeah, he was, he was, I, was, I was at that he was King of the Ring that one. in Columbus when it, when it happened, and he did like Rock did a run in during that and had a promo with Booker T and, and Goldust. So I know he wasn't actually wrestling on the card, but he was actually involved in there somehow. But they, again, they were they were getting yeah. to Rock and and Brock at SummerSlam. In reality, that could have been Stephen Brock at SummerSlam. Yeah, that's that's what I kept thinking. Like, and I think Stone Cold even said it on his podcast. He's like, honestly, I think that's what they were aiming for was obviously Brock and him at SummerSlam. And he did oh, say yeah, he was yeah. beat up. To next like, surgery. And, and I'll say this ahead, good thing about him. Shit. Like, literally, I'm surprised he ever came back from the one that he did with Owen. Like, honestly, well, he, that hell, one he worked, took he worked major three more years time on off. That busted, that busted neck. And then he had surgery in, in late 2000. And he was still right. on a high roll, in a high roll, too. Like, literally. And I think another way, like how they could have done it, obviously, you remember how like they did the spot where Stone Cold took time off? Yeah. So they did the hit and run type story. And for a whole year, and I will say this as a storytelling standpoint, that was the greatest story they told is you were a whole year of suspense wondering who just ran over Stone Cold. Who ran over Stone Cold? You watch these matches, you watch the stories, but you were also watching the hints like, oh, my gosh, like who was Stone Cold get run over by? And for the longest time, everyone thought it was The Rock. Everyone literally looked at it and said, that was your rental car. That is you. That You can't deny this anymore. That was you. And when Mick Foley come out there, knowing that Mick Foley and The Rock were a tag team, best friends, and you could see the emotion just reading suspenseful like, hey, did you do it? Like, I'm back out here, my fifth or sixth attempt, asking you, did you do it? It's all basically saying you done this. And then when you find out Rikishi, that made Rikishi a whole different gimmick because obviously we saw him as shuck and drive, shake your ass, put your ass in someone's face, and just be that big guy, funny dance dude. It changed his gimmick. Like, that that story saved Rikishi's run for a while. I really believe he was yeah, at a main event. Never, they never went anywhere. That was the that was the biggest problem. That's what I was like. I never understood why they never gone anywhere with it. Obviously, he took a what was it a choke slam push off the hell in the push, cell yeah. into a head. He got pushed off the pushed off the the hell in the that cell and, and through the into the mulch or whatever it was called. Yeah, I, that was a hell of a bump because the whole. The, the best part of that match is everyone looked back to see right. Rikishi get thrown. <laughs> but it's crazy to see, like, some of the storytelling aspects. But how, like we're saying with the babies and the heels right now, wrestling-wise, obviously I'm going to go and give you this. We're going to do the $1,000 question on this one. Like, literally, what do you see better? Uh, I keep up with, you I keep watch up with wrestling as a whole. I don't really, I don't really watch things on a consistent basis anymore. Um, but every once yeah. in a while, I'll pop in and watch some stuff. But uh, I'm not really, I don't really, I'm not there every Wednesday night or every Monday night to watch wrestling. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll break the ice on this one. I'm mainly watching YouTube to watch both wrestlings because it's like, it's 
I mean, yes, the wrestling has gotten a little bit better, but just yeah, no I mean, I, I trust me. Really I'm glad hurt. I'm not wrestling right now because <laughs> if there was no crowd, I don't know. I, as a performer, I can't, I can't react inside I, of a ring off of a crowd. But these guys who go, who are spot monkeys and and work out their entire match and just go through the motions of everything. I mean, they can, but I can't personally because it's not how I was trained. It's hard. I mean, in a way. Like, when I did cross-bodies and stuff like that, I had done those on title matches and stuff like that. I made it very meaningful for that. I wasn't doing it every match, every show, something like that. Like, that's what I tell people all the time. Like, yeah, your bump card's limited, but you need to, like, find your smart spots. Like, if you're going to jump from the top, make that a title match. Make that something that a big angle match for something that's going to tell a story with you going, hey, you're risking it all to win this match. This match is everything to you like that has a meaning for it and get that suspenseful one two and they barely kick out and that whole building's just like oh like i absolutely love that feeling more than anything in wrestling was the suspense reaction from a crowd because that's when you know you got Mm -hmm. that crowd with the palm of your hands and y'all are working what y'all are supposed to do and you don't see that much in your wrestling anymore like obviously with WrestleMania, that was no crowd. I yeah. think that was well, one you of know, the best we also got a long too many time. people shitting on finishers nowadays. So uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't want to get into that. It, it hurts me every day. Like if I did a code breaker, bro, either you were gonna be at the ropes or you're gonna yeah, knock I, out. Of I, I you're not kicking out for finish. 17 years. Like I never let anybody kick out of my finish. I would, I would make them work around it. So if I went for, like, at least cut me off or go up and over or whatever would be um, we'd be working towards, but it's part of the story. Like I'm not letting you kick out of my finish and I, I wouldn't kick out of theirs either. Cause if I'm like, I'm like, if you're going to hit your finish, like let's hit your finish, but let's make sure that it's only one time because I'm not kicking out of it. Yeah. It just, it makes more meaning for it. Obviously what's the, what's the, what's the reason yeah. to say a finish? No, move it, no I, if I, you're not going to, if you're not going to, what is the wrestling business is that they're, and that's the whole reason why we see these quote great matches unquote is because people are hitting finishers like three or four times in a match and they're twice they're kicking out. And it's like, it's like, then your, your move means nothing. I used to watch Jake Roberts wrestle and I used to watch guys wiggle out of the DDT and run for their lives. And I'm like, because now that move has so much more meaning because when Jake hit the DDT, you were not getting up period. And I always thought, like, that was one of the most no. devastating moves in the business when I was a kid. I'm like, that's the finisher of all finishers right there because you're not getting up from that. And and I every time I watch a Jake Roberts match from back then, I always see – the only the first time I ever seen someone, like, kick out of it or get up was Undertaker at WrestleMania 8. And he just sat up from it. And Jake gave it to him again. And, like – but it made the Undertaker in that in that match. So – I'm a big yeah. proponent of not. So if you're a young wrestler and you decide yeah. to get the business, protect your finisher. Don't let people kick out of your finisher ever. It's, it's more said than done, man. I mean, if you really go back to what Stone Cold done, obviously his STF. If, if a wrestler of this generation would do that right now, I don't think a pop would even happen. But the way Stone Cold did it, told a story with it, he made a reaction like he stayed there punching the guy to make it tell a story. Mm-hmm. 
it's just these little things that wrestling could do right now and then make an adaption of course to it's it, gonna evolve because obviously wrestling has changed so much compared to like, but it's still meanings like if you just take a moment and tell a, a meaning to all these moves that you're doing yeah. you get the crowd's reaction you get that crowd looking like oh man i don't know if he's got this match like you don't just book this match to make it A, B, and C, and D, and not not expect a suspense. Like if you're not expecting yeah. a suspense, no, I, that, why that's are you doing the whole all part this? of storytelling that's lost sometimes? Is that you know you can watch a match and you can tell. I can, at least I can tell when guys are going through motions. But again, mm-hmm. with WWE, you know they have agents, and you you and your agent are going to put together a, a match, whatever, who with whomever. Then you have a basically a written out finish for you, so you have to get to that finish, and kind of you know fill in what you need to do, or if there's certain spots that they require you to do, you got to fit those in there too. The art of the art, actual art of wrestling in WWE yeah. is lost because there back in the '80s there weren't writers; there were guys just you, you were given the finish. Here it is. You're going to go out there and you're going to work to it, and th- that's another thing that's lost is yeah. that these guys aren't getting the opportunity to go out and and you know perfect their craft by by having the leash let off of them and being able to to work in front of a camera and do what they want to do i think a lot of nxt is like that but i also think that a lot of it is structured as well but that's why you see such better matches in nxt than you do on raw and smackdowns because again vince has his thumb on it but he doesn't have his thumb completely on it Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. Um, okay. I want to go on a little bit on some AEW talk. Um, yeah. We've been talking about WWE for a while. I mean, really? I'm a WWE guy. I'm not ever going to deny it. I've always been a WWE guy. Uh, the funny thing is, dude, when I started wrestling, I did not realize there was yeah. so much wrestling. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know New Japan. I didn't know all that. Like All I knew when I was little was WWE. Obviously, WWF. And it's just crazy when I when I started doing it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I have so yeah. much of a variety of wrestling to watch. Um, like how you just said, wrestlers, I'm not gonna say the word push, I'm gonna say challenged. And they just see it as their spot is guaranteed. They see it as there's nothing that's gonna take them from their spot. And Obviously, fans see it as, oh, man, AEW is doing so much better than them or whatever. And I was like, yes, AEW is giving them chances, but my my take on Moxley, I think this would be the best example. You know how, like, Moxley has sat here and said for the longest time he did not like anything about Dean Ambrose? Um, yeah, because it was manufactured. But, I mean, my <laughs> – yeah, it's the same gimmick, but he's doing the same. Um, because I actually know John personally um, from wrestling here in Ohio when he was coming up in Heartland Wrestling Association and mm-hmm. actually having a couple matches with him and mm-hmm. spending time talking to him. I know the kind of guy he is, and he's always been out there as as a guy. Yeah. Like he's he's a very cool dude. He's 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 a little out there. Indie shows, and I'm just like, nah. here's how I look. At it. When, he, when he says he didn't like anything about the Dean Ambrose character, he's lying. 
because the Dean Ambrose character made him a millionaire. So you like the money that comes with it. So don't uh-huh. don't deny that. You love the fact that you were making millions of dollars. Because if if Vince would call me up right now and say, uh-huh. "Hey, I want you to come in and wear a pig suit." I'm going to get on a plane and go wear a fucking pig suit. Like it doesn't matter. Like you want me to you want me to, I'm like exactly. I I yes. lived by the philosophy yes, of Al Snow. Pin me, pay me. I don't care. Like you want me to go out and do a job? I mean, I've literally went out and mm-hmm. and wrestled girls and gotten beat by girls and like I don't care. Like as long as it was entertaining to me and if I could entertain the boys in the back a little bit, I'm okay with it. So for for John to say something like that, he he's lying in a sense of he hated everything about the character, sure. But did you really hate that at the end of the day you got a paycheck from being Dean Ambrose and selling merch and getting your merch dividends? Your toys, everything. Because if Dean Ambrose didn't work, there is no John. Well, because he reverted back to his old character, but. If Dean Ambrose didn't work, he wouldn't have mm-hmm. gone to AEW and had have a career that he has now. Do, do you see anything different with the Dean Ambrose character from John Moxley? It's, or I mean, in, like in a sense, it's, it's the same. Because that, in my eyes, that's but what it, And also, he has a little bit more... He, he probably has a lot more freedom to be creative. So... It, in that term, he can be Dean Ambrose, but he can be cre- he can be a lot more creative in his matches and how he cuts promos and stuff like that. Because they're probably not being scripted; they're probably just giving him a camera and saying, "Here, talk." Yeah, and, and I say that's one good thing about AEW. They're giving them what we call trial and error. Like they're giving them basically, "Hey, this is what you wanted." Show us what you're here for. Show us why you want to be here. Type scenario, and I think AEW every day is like a tryout type scenario, because obviously the AEW dark and stuff. I've had some guys that I've been in the ring with, like Tyson Maddox and stuff like that, has been in AEW dark, and they really stood out. Like some of these matches, like they would always tell me, like I give him an example. He used to be called Jackson Castle, and he used to be this big powerhouse guy. Always wanted. Just to be a muscle guy, whatever. Well, he reinvented himself to be Tyson Maddox just because obviously there's a typical name in there as well. But he he changed his his style. He changed his wrestling style, changed his how he tells a story in the matches and stuff. But he never changed his finisher because he saw the meaning and why, how good it was. And and that was one thing I tried to explain to him for the longest time. I was like, why fix it if it's not broken? And as and I tell people all the time, I say it's always good to change some things up, but there's also things that you need to keep the same because that is what the crowd knows you for. You know, again, Mox, you know, he he won a world title in WWE. He was basically made a, a made man right then and there. Once you know. You know, once you win a world title, you know you you can't go you can't go down. You got to go up. So, you know, I think that just like you know CM Punk, just like you know John Moxley, you know the WWE wears you out because if you love the business, and I know that John loves the business. I've you know, like I said, we've had long conversations about the wrestling business and different variety of things. So I know he has a huge passion for the business. So 
when you see guys like Punk and yeah. Mox and they have that passion for the business, they want to, like me, they want the business to thrive. And the only way it's going to thrive is if with, with people in the business right now that are actually able to do stuff. So John can go somewhere else and succeed and, and may yeah. reinvent himself and, you know, maybe come back and he can, you know, he can be John Moxley in the WWE, but you know, never say never. It doesn't mean that, you know, he's never going to come back. Do you think uh, Vince would let that it's happen? Hard to say Vince likes to own everything that he creates or that, that he doesn't like to have things in there that he didn't create. Like there's a few exceptions to the rule, AJ Styles being one of them. Um but you know, he had he he knew what he had to do with AJ because AJ was a world worldwide known pardon the pun phenomenon. And it took him a long time to get there. Yeah, because when I was when I was first in the business, a AJ long was time, probably three or four years in the business at that point, and um, uh, I did a show in West Virginia with AJ, mm-hmm. and you know AJ just ahead of this time and how he could move and how he how he bumped and the things that he did, he he was so good, and we were all like, why aren't you signed to the WWE? And at that time, AJ had a landscaping business, and he. He said they were trying to, you know, they were trying to sign him to mm-hmm. OVW for like $500 a week. He's like, I make three times more than that in my landscaping business. He's like, why would I go work for them for way less money? Yep. I mean, yeah, I totally agree because, like, I think they've said it on documentary. OVW, yeah, I mean, you weren't getting much. <laughs> I mean, Cena had to live in his car. Yeah, I mean, it's, like I said, I mean, I can understand. Months. Like, seriously, you know, the, the ultimate dream for any wrestler is to make it to the, the upper echelon of wrestling. But you know, he had a family, and it's not like he he was just a single guy. Like, I'm sure if he was a single guy and didn't have a landscaping business and a family to think about, he would have gone and done that. But you know, to shut down the landscaping business. Yeah, to shut down the landscaping business and then, you know, go live in Kentucky for maybe six months to a year, depending upon how you know how it happened. And then if he was brought up, he would probably just got lost in the shuffle because Vince wasn't uh, Vince wasn't high on cruiserweights at that point in time. Mm. Little guys doing flips. Yeah, yeah. I mean. <sighs> It's hard to explain that one. I don't know if Vince has yeah, ever put, gotten put the world on... to a cruiserweight. I think the only one that really, really caught his eyes was probably the title Benoit. On Eddie Benoit, Rey Mysterio. He's put the belt on, and and Daniel Bryan. He's put the belt on and tons of little little people now. But it, it, back in mid two thousand, AJ would have never he would never sniffed it. Absolutely. No, I don't he, think AJ would have been as a big self-made as he is now. Man. He spent he how many years in in TNA and busted his hump there and and outperformed everybody there, and then went to Japan and made a career in Japan as well. And then that's right around the time that he got signed because he was the, he was the hottest commodity in the wrestling business at that point in time. Yeah. yeah. And it meant something too, because when that Royal Rumble came and you heard that music, and you're just like, I've never heard that song before. But when it says AJ Styles on that thing, I popped. I was like, yes, best time. 
was like, there was no better time to get him back out there. It didn't matter if he won that rumble. It made that night completely. Yeah, I mean, I, I was when AJ happy, came out, was that was happy it. That, you know, he'd finally gotten to where he, he, he was comfortable enough to, you know, be in the WWE and have a run there. And that way, you know, if he decides that he wants to retire in a few years, he can. And he'll be, he's, he'll, be he'll have made enough money and he had been able to, to do it his way. You know, yeah, I agree with you on that. I I say this no. all the time. I said he doesn't even need a title. No, like he does not have to have a title, and it would not kill him. It really wouldn't. What he's doing right now with that big tall guy right now, it's over. Well, because also he knows you know, how to analyze. It helps that the, the, the contrast in size helps too. That you got this, you got this seven foot heater uh, with you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, no, it's it perfect. It's like, a long time. Uh, it's like D, it's like DiBiase having Andre. The chicken like, shit here. Like DiBiase didn't need Andre, but he was paying, yeah. quote unquote, paying Andre for his services. But it was, it, it 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 it's perfect because now AJ's playing a chicken shit heel too, not to the level of Sammy, but he's playing a chicken shit heel and using the heater. Um, in the right way, because AJ's a smart guy. He loves the business too. He understands the business as well. Like I said, I I got to sit and watch this guy wrestle, and this guy had been in the business three or four years prior to me, and like just the like learning from him uh, and watching him in the ring. I'm like, God, I learned like so much just by watching him, and he could do things that I could never fathom doing, but I still learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I say well, this yeah. all the time. AJ made TNA. Yeah. Like, that is yeah, the I mean, that was, AJ Styles of TNA, so to speak, because he, you know, he stayed there the longest. He was there from the first show. He went through all the shit. He and went through the Jarrett era. And, it, you know, it, you know he, he survived all that and, and still came <laughs> out clean. And that's... That's a testament to AJ is because you know he he hardly ever got hurt and he wrestled had the be- usually the best matches on the card and he could work with anybody. That's the difference between AJ and a lot of guys is that AJ can adapt yep. to whomever he's working. Doesn't matter, big, small, tall, fast, skinny, doesn't matter. I call him the hybrid. Literally, he is in his own category. I would compare I think, him almost I think, to Sean. I think Rick Flair, but he's in his, in his own like category. The closest to Sean that he's ever seen. Can you imagine if you had ever seen a a time a time machine, basically, and we go back and see a Shawn Michaels versus AJ Styles match? That yeah, I mean, would be I think, amazing. Honestly, I think I think if Sean <laughs> came out of retirement right now, he could probably still have. A decent match with AJ. I don't know because that tag well, you know, team like match I, said, I think you know, really just sounds down at the performance yeah. center training. You know our our future wrestlers and you know maybe he got some some good in ring time and and worked off some of them that rust and got those bumps out the way and maybe he could have a, a decent match with uh, uh, AJ. I just think that 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 match was doomed from the beginning because you had four guys who had not really worked. Uh, on a on a on a, a regular basis in a while, yeah. and something was about that. Plus, Taker wasn't in his. Yeah, he wasn't I just, in like his I said, I think that, that match was doomed from the beginning. I think 
the nostalgia factor was there, but at the same time, I don't think that uh, if if it would have been a five star classic, you know, we would all been like, yeah, it's great. But when when people would like that, they have a really bad match. We were, were really the first to jump on, like, oh my god, these guys should just retire. I think that was the only bad match Triple H has ever had in his career. In my honest Scott opinion, Scott Steiner like, wasn't really bad. Looking back at a match for Triple H, you can't really. Win. Uh, and and, and trust me, nice Triple H tried to do everything in his power. <laughs> match. He did anything in the kitchen sink to make that match work. And this is why I tell everyone Scott, Scott Steiner, Steiner should have never been in the, in the WWE. WWE. Because if Triple H could not when get Scott, you over. When Scott stopped doing that's it. high flying <laughs> stuff, that's, that's when you knew Scott Steiner was done. What's that? Be a mechanic, man. Yeah, no, Scott Steiner was a phenomenal he used worker. To be a was, good mechanic, Franken- jumping up and catching people with Frankensteiners. Um, and when when Scott finally when when Scott got that big push and it went to his and head, his brother, and, uh, he stopped actually giving a shit. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. Uh, it's he was a good work, especially with him and his brother, like. Some of his best work, I think, was with both of them Steiner brothers. Like, though, if anybody really wanted to analyze how to do a tag team match, I would say watch some of the Steiner brothers matches. They were really crisp in ways and actually taught the true mechanics of a tag team wrestling standpoint. Um, Devin, I want to go back a little bit and uh, we're going to talk about some of your indie years. Um, knowing the stuff that you have now, what would you have changed? Basically, your first year in wrestling probably from probably worked out a lot more. (laughs) I probably would have probably would have actually. Hey man, the chicken shit heel, and I say this all the time, should have never been in shape. Like honestly, if you want to tell a story with, that is the best gimmick for somebody that. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, doesn't always have to go to the gym all the time. Obviously, that that would have been that would have been my my thing. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I, I, I after the, the first couple of years in the business, I realized I probably was not going to get signed anywhere. So I just, you know, I, I said, well, I'm just going to have fun being on the indies and enjoy my time in the indies and, and make friends and just do the best that I can out here and, and become a better performer. So, um, like I said, I think I would have probably gone to the gym mm-hmm. a lot more and been a lot more serious with my with how my physique looked. Um, for both aesthetically looking in the, in the ring and my health. Um, but uh, I don't think I would have changed mm-hmm. much um, because, like I said, I, I learned a lot just being in, in cars with some of the vets that I rode up and down the road with. And uh, that first year in the business was uh, really a, a, a vast learning experience. So I don't think I would change anything from there. But, you know, just taking better care of myself uh, physically would have probably been uno, uno, numero uno on the, uh, the list there. Yeah. Um, I got to ask, man, I was your wrestling was. character where you compared to Iron Man. Well, 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 I, so here, here's how, I, I was about to ask you so if you used the word Anderson when I was coming up in the wrestling business, like they, they gave me a nickname and because I, I loved uh, Taz from ECW. Like I, I, I thought because he was five nine, he was low to the ground, and I, I loved how he worked. I was a huge fan of his, and so 
they were at, you know, some of the guys are asking me like, who's some of my favorite wrestlers. And I was telling them and they're like, they honed in on the whole task thing. And they're like, well, we're going to call you spaz. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. So instead of like letting them, you know, get to me, you know, with, with the ribbing, I just kind of ran with it. And then when I had my first match, I was actually spaz yeah. as, as my first match. I did the whole Taz with the towel on his head gimmick and came out. Yeah, I did the whole whole shebangabang. And then like three matches in, (laughs) the guys that were the bookers, they were like, you need to change your gimmick. And I was was a huge fan of Arn Anderson. Number one, because he's left-handed and I'm left-handed. So I was like, well, well, I, I don't really know anything else that I can, you know, I did a really good spine buster and they were like, yeah, you do a really good spine buster. Why don't you come up with something around that? So... I was like, well, you know, I'll I'll be an Anderson because I'm left-handed and you know, I work I worked a lot like Arn where I was very focused on a body part, work a body part, uh very methodical, measured a lot of things um and how I worked in the ring. So, um I just started studying Arn Anderson and Terry Funk and that's how how it all happened like and I was Devlin Anderson for the the whole entire run of my career. My real name is Devlin, so um, not Anderson. Anderson is that's not awesome that you actually got to use your actual name. That well, that was one of the. That no, was no, the I'm just saying you still got to use your first like, name because a lot of people Devlin, get to right? use like, yeah, they're like, you've got to use that. It's such a unique first name, and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I have no problem. You know, of course I would use that. Yeah. So that's why I went with the whole Anderson thing. I'm like, it's simple. It's to the point. You know, it's nothing gimmicky. It's you know, I'm a I'm a wrestler's wrestler, so um, and I you know, I, I always like I said I always loved watching Tully and Arn, and Tully and Arn would always have these great talking promos, and then Arn would get in the ring and he would just beg off, and I'm like, this is so such good stuff here. But he was such a tactician in the ring too, so I really kind of honed in on that style of wrestling. Hey, that's that's awesome. I, that's even cool that you got to use your first name because I mean it's so rare to hear people actually get to use any of their name in times. Obviously, some of them will be able to have their first name, but that's obviously like their trial and error type character just to get them up and running. And then it's like, yeah, yeah I mean, because most that's people are gotta like go John or this Joe on you. or that's whatever. What you're gonna stick you know, with a thousand and, of those, you know. But Devlin's such a unique name, you know. Yeah, it was like. uh I was supposed to be named Ronald. That was what my name was supposed to be when I was born, but my mom changed it. So I guess I was just kind of destined to have a wrestling career and have a, a first name like Devlin. So, Hey, I, I love it, man. Oh, um, I want you to finish uh, off. With, talk about the your last, last match. match. Hey man, we can talk about mine. It was, uh, I basically took, Seven pile drivers, and my biggest fear on moveset wise was pile drivers. And the big champ that we had at the time, he was very, very built up, everything. And we wanted to tell a very big story with this because we had a good angle on it. And he said, Is this going to be your last one? I said, Yeah, this is going to be my time taking a break. This is when I did my farewell with the certain company that I did with for so long. And um, he's like, well, my new move is now I like to do pile drivers. And I was like, is there anything else with that? Because I was actually having a problem with my neck for a little bit. And he was like, pile driver. I was like, 
just said I have a neck issue. <laughs> like, I'm trying to get out of here nice and softly. <laughs> but he's like, no, let's do a power drive. And the biggest thing I always did when my matches was I wanted to make the shit real. I wanted to make it look like it wasn't choreographed or anyway. So the seventh power drive, which I was blown up in ways mm-hmm. because you get lifted over your head, you get a blood rush from hell. And literally, he drops down. I kind of like, we were missed out of place a little bit. I think I did land on my head a little bit, but I actually did it on my own. Shame on me. But like I said, I always wanted to make it look real to the crowd. And go figure, I just watched the New Japan match, not even two hours before we went into this match. So obviously you get somewhat mentality in there because you're thinking exactly what you've been watching. So I, I that was you. actually so, how my farewell was. <laughs> right no Seven um, so, you can't come um, back <laughs> I had my last match in 2019 it was probably probably like march or something like that but uh i wasn't planning on retiring i was actually planning on getting out and going out more um and getting into more shows and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, my best friend of 17 years who i lived with um he passed away from a sudden stroke um at the age of 43 uh, in August of 2019. So, um, I had to end up, you know, buying the house and, uh, you know, taking care of, uh, the, the stuff that needed to be taken care of in the adult world, um, outside of wrestling. So I had to kind of focus on not getting hurt. So I, I you know, I, yeah. I had money to pay, um, for my, for my house and stuff like that. So I didn't necessarily, I haven't officially retired from the ring yet. But my last match, huh? <laughs> my wife is cool. Wrestlers, wrestlers never retired, really retired. I haven't officially said I'm done. And, bro, you do not know how many people have told me this. Like, I made a joke out of this because you know how, like, you're so worried if you leave the business, you don't know if you're going to be relevant or not. Well, I made a joke and I posted a picture saying it still fits. And my shit blew up. <laughs> Facebook Messenger blew up, and I didn't even tell my wife about it. And my wife just yeah, throws a phone I, at me. Know, she I, said, I, "Like I said, no." I, I, when I, when I got into the business, and about three or four years into the business, I said, "When I decide that I'm going to hang them up, I'm going to hang them up. I'm not getting back in the business as far as in ring work." Now, being a part of the business is different because I feel like. Mm-hmm. And if I can go to shows and I can be creative and I can help some of the younger generation with their matches or manage somebody or commentate or something, just being around the business will scratch that itch enough for me that I won't have to actually be a part of the, the wrestling business inside the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, mm-hmm. my last match um, was uh, in West Virginia. And it was against I can't remember. It was a it was a very green greenhorn. He was like his second or first or second match. And it was it was me and Madman Pondo. Um for some reason I got tagged up with Pondo. Um against this greenhorn. I kinda can't even remember who I wrestled. But uh this greenhorn was on the outside we were on the outside brawling and um the, the greenhorn picks up a coffee cup. And instead of uh, like bouncing it off my head, he like followed through with like the coffee cup and just like 
this blasted me in the head. And I just remember oh, like, my gosh, I was like stunned for a second. And I was like, I don't think he meant to do that, but let me go give him his receipt real fast. <laughs> and so when I, uh, no, I, 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 I forearmed yeah, him I'm sure as you hard were as I could, like very stiff in a very safe place. I didn't try to kill the kid. For those people who are like, oh, this asshole's, you know, trying to kill this greenhorn. No, yeah, I just yeah. gave him a nice stiff shot to the back, not in the neck, not in the head, into the back. But I ended up like jamming my wrist too. And I'm like, Jesus, I can't win today. So like uh, I spent like a month with my wrist wrapped because I couldn't like for some reason I couldn't bend my wrist after that, and I was like, oh, it's not broken or anything, but it it hurts. So um, mm-hmm. uh, that was my last match in the wrestling business as of right now. Um, I really want to have if anything if I can't have if I can't get back in there full time I at least at least want to have uh, one match on the way out just to you know just to be able to. To, yeah, just to just to do the job and and have one more, one more match um, and say goodbye to the business. But um, right now with COVID and everything, we you know we haven't been able to go to shows and mm-hmm. do anything. I haven't been able to talk to anybody because mm-hmm. I'm not trying to put feelers out there yet. But I'm 37, so my my clock's ticking as far as uh, yeah. getting back in there, but I, I, I at least want to have if I if the dream is to have one more year, uh, a good run, uh, and go around to different places and places I've never worked and and uh, work some of the people that I've really wanted to work with and people that I've worked with in the past that I really enjoy working with, um, just to get those those one more matches out. So hopefully, when COVID starts to to die down and and uh, people, you know, a lot of people get vaccinated and we're able to have bigger shows and, and, and I can start putting feelers out there again. Hey, I love it, bro. You're reading my mind. Like literally I've been thinking about that nonstop. Like I just told you that one match, how I did my farewell with CCW. That was the main company I worked with for a long time. That was actually my training school that I actually worked with as well. So I did that favor for them. And like how you just said, like to cover the itch, basically it's, it's paying your dues. It's like you're give you're, you're doing the favors for somebody. And it's always about give and take. Like you're always trying to pay. You're, you're trying to give back in wrestling. That is always the main thing about wrestling. You need to give back in wrestling, regardless if it's in the match uh set up do something like you always give back to this promoters because they're the ones booking you they're the ones making them giving you make the money type scenarios and stuff like that which granted we know we don't always make the best money in the world but you know what we're getting paid to do our absolute favorite dream i think that's the best way to do it we we best way to say is we're getting paid to live our dream not everyone can wake up a day going you know what i'm a professional wrestler like regardless of what circumstances on some things, but I am a professional wrestler and people pay to see the American prodigy. People pay to see Devlin Anderson, get his ass kicked. Like there's things like so many things, like you just take perspective and you appreciate in ways. And that was one thing was a hard thing for my character was I wasn't, I wasn't able to go back and basically see it as a superstar in a fan standpoint. I was just looking at as a wrestler standpoint. And when I got to really realize, man, I'm very appreciative of what I've got as well. 
it kind of got to that point where it was going too far off and it was way over my time type scenario. And it's been in my head nonstop. I'm like, I do want one more. People bug me every day, come week of the year, if I would ever come back in it. And it's just the timing. Like, I'm about to be 30 in May, and I gave myself – I literally said I was – if I didn't make it to a big show or whatever, I was going to retire. Yeah, I said 30. the same thing too. And and it still <laughs> gives me that mindset. It's like, yeah, it's coming back. It's, it's coming back. It's coming back and stuff. And I know people listening to this and be like, oh, shit, one's coming back. Like, oh, shit, AP's in the, in the gear again. No, it's just like timing-wise. Can I come back and wrestle and have my farewell in a no-crowd stadium? No. I'm not being selfish in that way, but it's just – it won't have meaning for me. Like, what kind of meaning was that? Okay, I did my farewell basically in a training match. Right. Like, if you really think about it, it's really what I see it as, a training match. Right. Like, that's just that, – that won't go well for me. And for me to do that long run and stuff, like I like how you said you can just do your one more year run. I know for a fact there's only going to be a one and done because my wife will kill me. <laughs> Family standpoint wise, it's just like, uh, I don't know. Like it, it, I get that itch so much. And I think that's my biggest worry too. If I did that one more, I'm going to keep wanting more. I'm going to keep wanting to keep going. And it's like, oh shit, I don't know how to stop again. And those are the biggest problems I have with it. That's why it's so hard for me to go, you know what? I'll do that show because it's like, is that really going to be my last? Yeah. And they just keep asking me like, so do you think this one's going to be it? And they're like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> That's my biggest wrestling, worry on something because I the, never knew when the, to just stop. The dirtiest prostitute and, you've ever met in your life because you, you, you keep, no matter how dirty she treats you, <laughs> I or no matter it. how dirty she is, you just keep going back to her because for some reason you're addicted to her. I don't, I, I, I've always used that analogy. Like I've lost, I know I've lost more money. I've lost more blood. I've it's a toxic broken more bones. I've spent more money on medical bills and everything else inside for the wrestling business um, for, you know, minimal money um, than I ever, I've lost, like I said, lost more money than I ever made in the wrestling business. And I just keep going back. And, um, like I said, I, I'm comfortable in my mind with just going back and having a nice little year run um, with with somebody someplace and then and hanging them up. Because, you know, like I said, I don't feel justified in in the last match that I had. I, I, not that it was a bad match, just that, you know, uh, it's not the way I felt like I thought my career was going to end. And I, it's not like I'm being selfish and I want to go out on my on, on a high horse or with, you know, streamers or you know a, a you know a tearful goodbye i just want to be able to to hang them up my own way and then that way i, I when i leave and i yeah. decide that i'm getting out of the in-ring competition of the match and i can move on to being a manager being you know a commentator or whatever then i'm comfortable with saying okay i i did it did it the way i wanted to do it i had a really good time being in the ring but i can still be around wrestling i can still come to shows and hang out with the boys and enjoy it without having to have that itch. Yeah. I I tell people all the time, yeah, it's no yeah. greater feeling than when you get to go in the back and hang with the boys. And it's 
it's a high school moment because we we're a bunch I, of old I, I dudes sometimes, to like, but um, we all like now high that I, kids you know, again, I was in the business. School, <laughs> if the, yeah, this would this would have been my nineteenth year if I was still actively wrestling. So I always say seventeen, but um, uh, I I always say it's oh, like wow. uh, getting going to the VFW and listening to uh, Vietnam veterans telling war stories. If you do, if you if you're not privy to uh, if you weren't in the war, then you have mm-hmm. no perspective of what they're talking about. So if anybody comes in that's an outsider into a locker room and they were listening to us talk about and laugh about some of the dumb shit that we did, they'd be like, these guys, what the fuck is wrong with these guys? These guys are fucking stupid. Why are they laughing? That's not funny. We'd be just chuckling about like shit that we've done because we've done some off the wall stuff. And But I, you know, we, I always had fun in wrestling. I made a lot of good friends. I, you know, I made some of my best friends in the world. <laughs> Um, and you know, it's, it's, you know, I just, I'm going to miss it. Uh, I'm not going to miss the pain and the bumps and stuff like that, but, um, the, the ability. <laughs> that, I think that's the hardest thing to come back to. I mean, I mean, people are going to listen to this and be like, oh, that's just, that's just being a wimp. But yeah. it's more said than done. Like I said, I've yeah. been out of the ring for three years. Yeah, I mean, it, that it, when, you, when you finally get back <laughs> hey. in and, and you, you take that first it's bump, like, it's like, oh, why, this is stupid. Like, why am I doing this? This is oh, why did I come back? Um, but uh, yeah, it, <laughs> it's like a yeah. Tom and Jerry moment. Yeah, yeah. Like, why you dumb. keep chasing that mouth? You keep getting your ass. The bottom line <laughs> oh, again, some of us love the business so much that we we just we we can't get away from it and it it's i was never an an athlete of any kind of caliber i didn't play any high school sports i played baseball from little league to to uh legion ball but i was never mm-hmm. you know i never was allowed to play any high school athletics i was never allowed mm-hmm. to wrestle or play football or play baseball in high school that's because my my uh, my mom and my stepdad were just, you know, they they were jerks and they wouldn't let me do any after school activities. Um, but I always wanted to. I always thought I was athletic for a kid of my size. And then when I turned 18, I decided, you know, wrestling was always my dream. I wanted to be an Air Force pilot or I yeah. wanted to be a professional wrestler. Well, Air Force pilot went out the window when my eyesight went to shit. So I was like, well, I'm going to go be a professional wrestler. And I went out and I did it. And I realized that I was I was okay at being a wrestler. I was, I'm not going to sit here and say like, Oh, I'm fucking great. I'm the greatest wrestler of all time. Da, da, da. No, I was good enough for people to be like, you know what? That kid's not bad. That kid's got a kid knows what he's doing, but I never really, you know, like I said, I never got signed. So that's usually the, the bar people are like, Oh, you were a wrestler. You didn't get signed. It's like, there's wrestling outside of your TV folks. Hey, the breaker. I I will say this: it's so good to see the independent wrestling is growing again, because in a way, independent well, wrestling be, is getting you know, more relevant. And I independent think wrestling here's what independent cool. wrestling has going for it, and that it didn't have twenty years ago. There is there's YouTube, there's the internet, there's ways that small companies can yep. put their product out there for people to see on a weekly, monthly, whatever basis it could be. And so any hardcore wrestling fan that really thrives for wrestling Mm -hmm. will look at wrestling outside of the WWF or WWE. Because when I was a kid, all I had was I had Mark magazines like Pro Wrestling Illustrated 
and be able to look at, um, you know, like I became a fan of ECW without ever seeing an ECW match. I literally read about, yeah, I, I read about ECW and saw pictures of ECW and was like, this is different. This is way different. I was reading like match by match breakdowns in, in a wrestling magazine. I'm like, what in the fuck is this? I have never heard of this. And then finally, a couple years after um, I first read that article, my buddy Zach, because where I lived in Southern Ohio, we didn't get any ECW even on local TV. My buddy Zach was a wrestling fan too. And he's like, I, I he was, he yeah. had some kind of cable company that could get the pay-per-views and he would record them. And he was like, here, here's his ECW pay-per-view. And it was living dangerously 99. Or not nine, yeah, ninety nine, and I remember watching it, and I watched Van Dam versus Lynn, the first one on pay per view, and I was like, "This is the one of the greatest matches I've ever seen in my life." I'm like, "How did I never discover this?" And I was hooked for for ECW from then. It wasn't the violence that hooked me; it was how different it was from everything that I had ever seen, and the characters were different, and. The storylines were different, and it was because it, I was fourteen, so it was like adult. It was it was it was more honed to like instead of being cartoon. It was like a rated or movie type theme, scenario, but not too over the top adult themed, to where it'd be like, oh, you shouldn't watch that. I was just like, holy crap! I'm like, I New Jack jumping off a balcony. I was like, mm-hmm. what in the hell is going on here? This is the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. Like I'm, I, but I literally, and I tell people that like there, you couldn't have. I was like, I all I saw was pictures. <laughs> all I saw was pictures. I'm like, I have to see this somehow. And my dad lived in Columbus, and I would try mm-hmm. to find ECW on the the local station up here, and I could never find it. But then, like I said, my friend Zach was like, "Here, here's this tape. This is ECW. This is what you've been wanting to watch." And I was like, "Holy crap!" I remember going home and watching. And I'm like, my mom's like, "What are you? What the hell are you watching?" I'm like, "I'm watching wrestling." She's like, she watched it for like ten minutes and was like this is freaking crazy too. So I'm like, I'm like, I know, right. This is completely out there. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I'm just, I'm a fan of wrestling. I'm a fan of the, how wrestling is presented. It, it's physical theater. It's, I always tell people it's a, it's a, uh, a non, or it's a predetermined athletic contest. It's, 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 it, it's, it's with the, yeah, it's, Ooh, yeah. It's, 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 it's a different it's type of athleticism. If you're, if you're athleticism, a fan and you get I will it, tell you understand what I mean. If you're not a fan, and trust me, I've had plenty of people drop the F word on me before and like, oh, you do that fake stuff. And it's like, have you ever been in a ring? Have you ever taken a bump? Like, you would not say that it was fake if you spent six months training to be a wrestler and then every every night from training you come home and your dad has to tape your ribs or give you a, a painkiller because you because your back you get bent over to tie your shoes like you 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 yep. wouldn't say this to me like if you if you knew what i have been through like um yep. so i mean and that's why i say when people people get offended when, when wrestlers get offended by that that's mm-hmm. the reason why like, like you can say it's choreographed you can say it's predetermined please never say that it's fake ever ever My my opinion on fake, you can never get hurt in fake. And 
That's why I always Here, tell people. Here's all the, time, the best like, analogy well, of, of if you're going to compare why this eleven questions. If anybody ever says that it's fake to you, you ask them. Like, do you like to go watch Marvel movies? Do you really think that that uh, uh, Tony Stark is yeah. Robert? You, you Robert Downey Jr. actually has the suit and goes around and 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 fights crime in the suit. Do you really think that? Because that would that's what you're basically saying to me is that. What what he does is real, and what I do is fake. You're entertained by what Tony Stark does, or what Robert Downey Jr. does. So, yeah, it, like I said, there's a there's a bunch of bunch of different ways you can do it. What's that? It's a violent soap. It's a violent soap yeah, opera. Yeah, it's a violent soap opera. I mean, you, it's you, a violent you, you soap can... opera. I would like to say it's kind of a a. Feminine type of way we're saying it, but in ways it is like in reality, I call wrestling a violent theatric. Like it's our that rings our theater, and we're telling a story with our body. And there's nobody else that could do it better than us or what you see on TV because there's not a sport everyone could just do. Obviously, we see in the performance center, we see in an AEW, NFL players go out there thinking they can do it. And the best in shape guys cannot yep. even do a, a rollover, cannot yep. even do a wrestling drill. It's a different yep. type of mentality. Yep. You have Absolutely. to be in it to learn it. That's that that's how I tell people. Yeah, but I get it. Devin, I appreciate you doing this today. I we could probably talk all day because I mean we're just talking about wrestling sure. and sure. it's it's came a long way. And I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, I know we didn't talk much about AEW. I, I would definitely like to have you back on sometime soon. Um, well, anything you, know, you want to follow up on? I know you My got a podcast. We didn't even you, mention so. that. <laughs> well, it's not wrestling related. I do talk about wrestling from time to time. Uh, but uh, no, I do have a podcast. It's called Know Your Cinema Podcast. And what happens is, is that me and my co-host Jason, uh, we review uh, movies each week. Um, but we kind of let fate decide what we watch so uh, we have a giant game show wheel that we spin and it's got five movies that i i've never seen and five movies jason's never seen and we spend to watch uh the movie for a week and we're actually doing some bonus episodes um uh, for the next few weeks we're actually watching a segue here to the marvel cinema uh because I've, I've seen some of them i've not seen them all and jason's seen them all so we're going through them in chronological order um so we're watching those right now, but yeah, we're it's called Know Your Cinema. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Google Podcasts. Uh, we have an Instagram uh, KYC at um, at KYC Podcast, um, Twitter at KYC Podcast. We're even on TikTok at KYC Podcast. Um, but again, if you're not into wrestling and you're listening to this podcast and you want you know another podcast to listen to, um, we we are on there. We're we're a little R rated, um, so we do. Um, say some off the wall stuff and, uh, you know, use curse words. So if you have kids in the house, please don't listen to that, um, with, uh, without earphones in. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of fun on there. We've been doing it for about a year and a half now and we've got over 70 episodes in the bank. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I'm proud of it. Um, we're just going to keep going. So that's my podcast. No problem, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate talking wrestling. Hey, Devin, I appreciate doing this today, man. It was, it, yeah. it, oh, I mean, 
there's nothing better. In my opinion, I love talking about wrestling more yeah. because it's it's been more adapted and there's so many different styles and obviously yeah, I, you know, no, we, what my, we've my been through on my podcast we've seen uh, a good portion he of. loves when i start talking so, about wrestling because he can he knows how passionate i am about wrestling so if i get on this t- tangent about talking about wrestling he's like he'll just sit back and listen he's like i'm just amazed mm-hmm. about how much you know about wrestling and and how passionate you are about it and it's funny because this week we're we're reviewing Roadhouse and Roadhouse has Terry Funk in it. And I'm like, I get to talk about Terry Funk, who's like my one of my biggest influences and idols in the business. Yep. And I'm like, I could talk about Terry Funk all day and not break stride. So um, I'm so happy about talking talking about Roadhouse this week. I was look so looking forward to it. <laughs> and then I watch because I have to watch the movie each week. I was watching it. And I'm like. How fucking good is Terry Funk in this movie? He only has like six lines. I'm like, how fucking good is he in this movie? Like he's like gorilla pressing dudes in the bar, and I'm like, this is the greatest <laughs> thing I've ever. I'm like, I didn't even really like, realize how, how many times wrong. a gorilla press dude in the bar. I'm like, this is awesome. Oh yeah. Uh- I love that. No I mean, that, that's awesome. You too, man. Thank again. Thank you for having oh, me on. Man. I appreciate Devin, it. I appreciate you doing this today, man. I hope you have a good you too, day, man. man. Bye. To being the new member of the Rasp Rebellion, I want everyone to go to the website repsports, R-E-P-P, sports.com and get 15% off on your first purchase if you do the promo code AP. 2420 and you have to type in the capital letters of AP 2420 and like I said you get 15% off I know with this hard times in quarantine honestly supplements are going to be the best way to go they've got BCAs they have the energy drinks they have pre-workouts uh, whey proteins and stuff I would love everyone to go to repsports.com to get and use the promo code AP2420, which is capital letters AP2420, to get 15% off on your first purchase. Thank y'all. All right, guys, time to get to go home queue. First and foremost, I'd like to thank Devlin Anderson for coming on today and just having a great wrestling chat with me. Uh, it's always great to talk about wrestling. Man, I lived and breathed it for six years. Was a fan of it since I was like five. I mean, can't go wrong with it. I mean, I got to live a dream. He's he got to live a dream. I love the story where he was talking about him being a fan of Taz and him being called Spaz. I was hoping he could find that picture for me. Uh, I would love to had that one, but I mean, it was just a great chat with him. Uh, really good clarity moment on things about wrestling in general i hope that educated a lot of people about some of the stuff in the business about how wrestling is going like how the moves are going not not necessarily just based off the moves man it's storytelling and i know if y'all listen to so many wrestlers on the podcast and stuff we always talk about storytelling 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 that is one main reason why you go to a wrestling training school to become a professional wrestler is so you know what the art of storytelling is. I, anyone can do moves, but for you to make an impact to it, to make a meaning towards it, and make the longevity of it, you got to make the moves 
tell a meaning towards it. So say like an arm. What's your reason of using an arm? Like I remember, I remember the hardest test what I used to have when I was when I first started was I want that my the booker wanted me to do a drop kick. My trainer always wanted me to do a drop kick, and he would tell me. And I remember one of the guys that I was working, he explained something to me. He said, explain the reason why you're doing a drop kick. And it took me almost a year to understand what was my reason of the drop kick. And I thought it was just because I'm an acrobatic guy. I thought it was just because I'm very agility, fast, athletic, all that. I thought that was what I do for finesse-wise. And they were like, no, what is your reason of the drop kick? And... He said, anyone can do a drop kick, but what makes yours different? And it took me a while to realize, and I was like, oh, it's the timing, how you do it. Uh, if you wrestle a big guy, obviously your drop kick's not going to knock him down off the first one. So guess what? You're going to have to t keep repetitively figuring out what you're going to do to get that guy to go, boom, hit that ground, and then the crowd just lose it. That's where you know you have... The crowd, that's where you know you are telling a story and the crowd is understanding what you are doing. And I mean, it was, it's little things like that is what people are missing when they analyze, when they do analogies of wrestling. And those are some of the things that drives me nuts in ways too, because it's like, I feel like wrestling is now at that point where, we're, oh, we're just looking based off of matches. We're looking off of, oh, the cool moves that they can do. There's really no such thing as a move that no one's ever done anymore. And if you quad, if you're gonna double the moves that you try that hasn't been done before, man, that's that's a heck of a gender and a list to try to capitalize on. But I want to thank Devlin for just coming on and having a good chat with us. Also, I want to have him back in the near future talking about his podcast. I know we got really carried away just talking wrestling, but he also did have a podcast, like he said, and he talks about movies and stuff and i would love to just have a good movie chat with him on something so that was i just really hope we could have another chat with him in the near future but really was appreciative and happy what we got with the wrestling chat today also guys i want to congratulate flag football's own in jacksonville florida my boy josh godby and his team high five um, winning fours and fives comp division in, in Dallas tournament uh, over in the Cowboys Stadium. Real good shout out to them on that. Congratulations, boys. Y'all brought some hardware home. That's all That's all what it matters, man. Going in there, going travel out these places, getting some experience doing the game we love, and, man, capitalizing and win some championships. So shout out to the high five on that and Josh Godby. And all my boys on that squad, I mean, y'all took a stout team. I ain't even going to lie. Laval. Uh, um, good stuff, the guys. Y'all definitely earned earn that one for sure. Good stuff. Keith, I mean, you were a freak of nature out there, bro. <laughs> Judging by that picture. But uh, all right, guys, I think it's time to wrap it up. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Enjoy your time not at work. If you're going to be at work, try to make the best you can out of it. But it's time to do what we always do to end these episodes. 
Hope everyone washes their hands. Stay safe. Stay clean. Do what you got to do. Protect what you got. And I'll be back when I have more down the road. Later. How's it going, everyone? Warren Marlo off of Buzzing with Marlo. Uh, If you haven't, I know with any platform that you are on, uh, to keep having us grow more and more, uh, we are so grateful that we've gotten an iHeartRadio gig. We would like everyone to like, subscribe, and just add our channel. It helps us keep growing more and more. Also, leave a five-star review. Uh, leave reviews. Um, what we also do is post little messages. Leave us messages of what, how y'all think about each episode. What y'all, what y'all got out of it? What, what do y'all want us to talk about? What do you want us to? kind of get the topics on a little bit i mean it's anything and everything so like i said everyone please like and subscribe on any platform that you are listening to us on we greatly appreciate it also stay tuned every friday for buzzing with marlo thank y'all and have a blessed day